Hello, Cyclocross friends, and thanks for tuning in to episode 268 of Cyclocross Radio. On today's show, we're back in the mountain bike media pit with Elizabeth and Zach, and we're breaking down all of the action that took place in last weekend's Leo Gang mountain bike cross-country event. As you'll hear in the episode, this is also the Wide Angle Podium Podcast Network Donor Drive. I'm not going to harp on it too long here, but just keep it in your head and fortuitously on your head. Because if you become a member now during the Donor Drive, you get a Wide Angle Podium Knit Cap, a beanie. That's your incentive, but your incentive also should be just to support what we're doing here, what we're doing on all the shows, support independent cycling media. That's what we got going on at the Wide Angle Podium. So head over to wideanglepodium.com slash donate, become a member, choose the shows you wish to support. Also want to give a shout out to Endura, who continues to help support Cyclocross Radio. Go to endurasport.com. You can use the code WIDEANGLE20 and get 20% off your order. Finally, if you want to get in touch with us, uh, shoot an email to feedback at cxers.com. If you're feeling it, please leave us a five-star rating and a positive review at Apple Podcasts or on whatever platform you are listening to this. All right. We're talking about the Leo Gang World Cup weekend. We got Elizabeth and Zach. It's the Mountain Bike Media Pit. It's episode 268 of Cyclocross Radio, and we're doing all of that right now. Dreams can come true. Dreams cannot come true. And dreams can be destroyed. And today, my dreams were destroyed. And we're back in the media pit. Talking mountain biking and destroyed dreams with uh, Elizabeth and Zach. And I think this is our first ever dramatic reading to open a, open an episode. Elizabeth, key us in on what's going on. Well, our friend Mona Mitterwalner on home turf in Austria. Lots of hopes and dreams resting on our young Austrians' shoulders. Had a pretty tough weekend. Uh, and uh, that, that quote, in fact, is from her post-race interview on Sunday. So we are spoilering right from the beginning. Um, but, you know, we were in the first of the Alpine courses of the season. And uh, I don't think Mona's were the only dreams destroyed. Uh, this weekend, and it's a course that shook some things out for people who had not done maybe as much climbing so far this season as they did over the weekend in Austria. It's nice. It's nice having a young career where you're, the the amount of races that are behind you are not so great that this this race, this just regular season race. In, in your home country, but still, with a long career ahead of you is, is the one that, that is going to destroy the dreams. Zach, what's, uh, what's destroyed your dreams lately? Not much. Uh, I'm back from my secret location uh, in Chicago. Uh, it's very flat there. So back in the Twin Cities. Yeah, I was excited. I think that 
Uh, and we'll get to this with the men's race too. It's kind of like I love the idea of the the payback. Uh, and typically, uh, you see this in sports, like I, college sports. Like you know, you lose the national championship, and then you get the team on the schedule the next year, and you're like, "We're going to beat them and get payback." And the team, you know, that you beat is literally like, "Yeah, whatever. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't really care." Uh, <laughs> Normally, t- ten different guys, and you played the season before because they all left or graduated or whatever else. Yeah, so a little bit of foreshadowing uh, for the men's race, but it just seems like I don't know. It seemed like a little bit of a. It, it, building off kind of Elizabeth's point that, you know, this was a big deal for, for Mona that I don't know. It felt like a little, it's a standalone. It's not a, it's not a double weekend. We saw only, I think one American was racing and a handful of Canadians. So it just seemed like an interesting spot and it is a very unique course. It is very climby course uh, that, you know, spoiler alert, climbers tend to do uh, pretty well on. So kind of a kind of an interesting weekend. And we were, you know, we were talking in the green room about getting stoked for this, but we're going to get excited. Let's uh, I think that we'll we'll do our best here. Well, let's let's start with a short track as as we do. Uh, and and I think I, I don't know, I, I our short track debate and analysis may be my favorite part of of these these uh, mountain bike um, media pits and and this is our second second time right seeing Leo Gang and and this this short track and it's a I, I will reserve my judgment on this but uh, uh, Elizabeth kind of just take us through what this track is and um, I, I will say I think. If my if I if I remember correctly, I think we all had some positive vibes on this last season and how it incorporated the 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 pump track and everything else. But uh, yeah, so so this course is it's an it's a bit of an odd duck, I think, because of the lo- the the geography and the location that they're working with. Like it is literally at the base of a bike park that has a lot of features for ordinary tourists at a bike park. Um, And so I think that also from a spectator's perspective kind of makes it hard to follow because you have like crash pads and big jump landings and wall rides and things that are definitely not being used by the short track course that are blocking the view sometimes of where the course goes. Um, I think it's it's kind of it loops back and underneath of itself, and it's just hard to to sort of pay attention and figure out. Um, I think the some of the things that made it interesting in this instance was it was wet. It was very wet, sloggy wet. Uh, and if anybody watched the downhill races the next day, holy God, this course was wet. Uh, they got a lot of rain over the week. They were actually saying, like, the, I think the Swiss team was forbidden to pre-ride the course earlier in the week because it was so wet. They're like, you're just going to destroy your equipment. Like, we're not letting you on course. Um, so this course has, I think, it has a lot of climbing. It's therefore less tactical than especially than the Nova Mesto race we just watched before this um the bridge flyover in this uh is very steep uh and clearly quite a challenge uh for the racers especially with a slick entry and this really comes into play in the men's race um 
Bill, when I was watching that, you'll remember potentially Charm City circa 2015, uh, a very wet flyover where all of the racers were just jammed up and walking up this flyover, but like kind of failing at even walking up it because it was so slick. So we get to see our friend Avancini go through the humiliation of a Cat 4 Mid-Atlantic cyclocross racer uh, for a brief moment. But And then there's like this bermed out descent that the riders can't use the berms on. Like one rider in the whole set of fields manages to sort of kind of use the berms a little bit. Spoiler alert, it's our winner in the men's race. Uh, but it is, it's super awkward. Um, so, you know, it's, it's, I think it's one of those that it is, it's doing a thing. I don't know quite what it's doing, this course, as a short track course, but some people probably are okay with it. Zach, has seeing Leo Gang a second time now, now that you are fully immersed in the short track world, convinced you that short track pack racing is in fact superior? Yes. <laughs> we did it, Bill! <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I think if I remember correctly, I, I don't know if it was the same climb. I mean, this year's climb was kind of, to me, it was kind of interesting because it was very cyclocrossy because it was so wet. And I forget which race you had one rider picking, was it Keller or someone? I think it was Keller would kind of go to the right. Everyone else was going to the left. And to me, that made it kind of interesting. But I want to talk about the end of that lap. What is the opposite of flow? <laughs> that? <laughs> That, that just looked painful. You know, I think we've talked a lot about courses where as a mountain biker, you watch it, you're like, I want to ride that. And I saw that section and that's the kind of thing where you're like, I don't want to ride that. I don't want to ride that in a race. I sure as hell don't want to ride that on a vacation or like when I'm doing my regular mountain bike trip. It was just like, they were going over the berms and then it was just really awkward. It was awkward on Sunday because everything dried up and then it turned dusty. So no one could corner and it just looked... Oh, it looked super, super brutal. And yeah, the, the bridge also, I don't know. It just, it strung things out. I mean, I was surprised, I guess, getting ahead a little bit in the men's race. They actually kind of stayed together for a couple laps. And Elizabeth, I, mostly because of the work of our guy, who I'm sure that we'll, we'll talk about. But there was a little bit more, but it, there was no tactics to it. Um, I've come around. I think it's more interesting when you have a group and you have to make tactical moves at the end. Uh, I give this, I don't know if we can borrow, I, you know, everyone's got their different rating systems, but yeah, one out of 10 wouldn't, wouldn't recommend. Well, I, I think we've done a really good job at each of these races, you know, figuring out this is what you need to do and this is where you need to do it to win this race, you know, and that's kind of the thing. And like all chat's always fun. You're like, okay, this is where you need to start your sprint. This is how long you have to wait and how you have to be patient. And then, then you can win this. Same with, with Nova Mess. So for this race, it was basically when you're ready, if it's going to be one lap to go, two lap to go, whatever it is, three laps to go, if you're the strongest climber, attack on the climb and then you win. I mean, that's that's the strategy for for this. I, I mean, I think for this whole weekend, but definitely for the short track. And that's that's kind of what we saw in in both of these races. It wasn't there wasn't a lot of heavy thinking going on 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 how you win this race. But let's uh let's let's talk about the return the return. The once and future champ uh, for for our for our women's race and how that played out. 
Yeah. So I think, you know, at the beginning, um, Becca McConnell in the leader's jersey for both uh, both uh, short track and and the Olympic distance right now. And she does a lot of work on the front uh, in the beginning of this race. And uh, Loana, who has been making, you know, making herself known in the top five, but not had that performance of 2021 quite yet was sitting in until the start of lap four uh, moves herself to the front and then on lap five she goes and in her post-race interview says she did so with a rear flat so she crosses the finish line with a flat she's like squishing her yeah yeah making sure we all know back at home that she's got a flat like it's been a slow leak or whatever it is but she doesn't have full air in the tire um i think the ride though you know aside from the i i, I think it was it, it was unsurprising to see her win here for a short track win if she was going to do a short track win this is the one um and I think, though, the uh, the really impressive ride performance, uh, aside from Loana, is the Ghost team, who managed to work quite well together for a few laps, pulling their way up. So this is Anna Terpstra and Caroline Boe, um, pull themselves up together and then move their way through, passing Becca McConnell, passing Alessandra Keller, and eventually separating so Terpstra drops Boa but uh then you know turns around at the finish line and and sees her young teammate come through in third place so pretty exciting I mean super big weekend huge result for Boa to get a podium here in short track and I think just a really impressive and different and I guess you know if you want to look for sort of silver linings in what this short track course does for you that's a different kind of result and performance if you don't have the same kind of pack racing that you have these two riders able to move from ninth, 10th place steadily up, essentially off camera for the most part. We see them when we're coming through the start finish, they come up on camera, but not the same like hiding out in the pack in ninth or 10th place, which is kind of an irrelevant position when you're in a pack and have all of the churn happening. Um, this is in a different way becomes an impressive ride that they're able to move steadily up steadily within 20 minutes. Um, but great ride from both of them. Zach, uh, Elizabeth was mentioning Beck McConnell's aggressive start. She's kind of been the world beater for the beginning of this season. Was that a tell? Was that, I mean, is that, that's not really her normal tactic it seems like she's kind of hangs in there and then sort of gets her chances but this was kind of a almost a fake it till you make it i think from the beginning maybe possibly i mean i think you're foreshadowing a little bit what happened on sunday i mean i just they talked about the broadcast i mean what she did was pretty remarkable and it just seemed like there was no way that she was going to carry that form through to to this race i mean at the just the the super high level that she was at, but yeah, that was kind of one of my takeaways. Is it seems like she was really aggressive, but like, I mean, that's how she won. That's how she won Nova Mesto in the 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 cross country Olympic. You know, she was the one at Albstadt who really forced things or whatever. So either a she was faking it till she could make it, or maybe she just didn't know 
how far it could go. I mean, if you're, if you're you win those three races, I mean, she was winning all the things. I mean, might as well give it a, a go again. Also knowing, I think, I mean, I, I guess I kind of wrote about this, but I think everyone knew what Lilicom's plan, you know, she swept both races here last year. She won by two minutes in the, the cross country race last year. Uh, and I think, uh, I don't think she's ever lost a race, ever not won a race at Leo Gang in three seasons now. So I, I think everyone kind of kind of knew. And my takeaway is I think everyone still kind of knew that in these other races, right? It was all about like, oh, she got a bad start. Like, I need to attack early. So I would argue that Luana Lacompta is kind of like in everybody's head. And, you know, uh, you saw that too. We'll talk about it with the, the cross-country race with uh, Sandy Poof uh, being like, oh, no, no, you're not going to the front. So... Um, but yeah, incredible run. I mean, I, I don't know. I, I think it still is worth noting, like to Rebecca McConnell, what she accomplished was just absolutely incredible over the last couple months. Yeah. And I think I mean, she says this after the cross country race that this was uh, that if her training program is on point, this was going to be the low point of her season this weekend. So she had targeted seventh place for the cross country race and was expecting that that would be like that would be her her target performance. Like if she's on track, if she can get a top seven, cool. But was not expecting to to be based on her training load, based on where she was in her program, not targeting a win here. So, yeah, it's it's funny how even even at the World Cup level, you know, the promoters of this race have to just be a little bummed that they are the race. They're the race on everybody's training plan. Where it's like, okay, this is a C race where we're not even going. You know, it's a as Zach said, it's not a it's not a back to back weekend. It's just a standalone race, kind of weirdly in the middle of the first and second half of the season. And yeah, and and, and it's it's just this climbers course so if if that's not you it's 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 kind of a write-off from the start yeah and it doesn't i mean also worth noting on the cross-country side of mountain biking it doesn't have a long history this is only its third cross-country race i mean 2020 it hosted worlds and then it's had two years of hosting it's been a downhill track forever um like since at least the early 2000s it's been a downhill track but and I think, you know, probably from a production and broadcast standpoint, there is a goal to get more of these combined weekends where you have downhill and cross country happening at the same venue. You've got more crowd. You're making more money, blah, 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 blah. But I have a feeling there are probably a fair number of cross country racers who might enjoy that whole thing, but not necessarily this course. Yeah, it seems like it's if you have that skill set, you know, I mean, there were some cool descents, but I felt like the rest of the course was kind of, you know, one of the defining features was literally a long climb through a field, which, um, you know, like go up the bunny slope. Yeah, cool. (laughs) Yeah, not necessarily things that that really stand out. Um, so kind of a, kind of a tough spot. I mean, we've seen it, there's the world cups and the cyclocross scene. We know the races on the American cyclocross circuit that, uh, we can draw an uh, analogy, uh, to, but, you know, I guess in a way, I mean, we'll see it kind of served its purpose. It could serve a, a different purpose for some riders who, um, really have not had the results that they expected to. So, 
you know, it could it could end up being very significant if they can carry that momentum through on the the narrative of the rest of of the season. So let's. Uh, I, I think we anything. I, I think we pretty much covered the women's short track. I don't know how much more there really was to say. Um, Lacomp just owned that that race. Uh, men's kind of a mess, um, and and uh, some foreshadowing as well in that Zach. Uh, what 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 stood out to you in that race? Oh, I mean, I wanted to to ask Elizabeth. I mean, let's 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 analyze our guy, our boy, uh, his his race tactics. Um, I, I, a little perplexing, a little perplex. What was the? Wasn't there a cyclocross race where someone just like sat on the front this year or something for like six laps? Oh, it was like uh, the Curtis White race where Curtis just sat on the front at Rochester, and we're like, dude, what are you? What are you what are you doing? That's what this reminded me of. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, and I think like maybe like he's not much of a climber, so he thought maybe he'd Schwartzbauer it. I don't know. Like, but he's not Schwartzbauer either. And I, I yeah, I think, you know, it's a little chaotic too. There's like a big crash early on. Like Filippo Colombo causes this big crash, takes out Sam Gaze. Uh, you've got, so like, you've just kind of got a mess from the start. And I think, uh, I, I mean, like, I don't know, like the watching Avancini push his bike over the top of this flyover and everybody piled up behind him was one of, it's like one of those moments where, and I think I said this during the Olympics as well, where I'm like, if the world tunes into this sport and is like, these are the best in the world at this sport. They're like, what is this? Like, really? This is a weird sport. Um, so it had a bit of that. And I think like, on the one hand, I blame Avancini. And on the other hand, I blame the course. Um, because I think that feature, like I, Vlad Dasklu says in his interview that he had to walk into the base of the bridge, not once, but twice. Um, because it sounded like it was just like a mud pit, like a hole at the bottom of that. Um, and then it's clearly very steep. So I think like, I don't get why Avancini did what he was doing, but I also think that the course did him no favors. And that was just like the pinnacle, both the pinnacle and the lowest point at the same time, uh, metaphorically and literally. Uh, and yeah, I don't know. Um, I, he, then he gets like played by uh, a sec a second set of teammates happening to have uh, a good day in uh, Vital Alban and Flicky coming in together. Um, Schnitzel brought. That's what I was. I was trying to search for a Swiss sandwich. <laughs> that was the best I could come up with. Schnitzel. Brought. I will say this about Avancini. He still finished fourth. So like, yeah, it looked a little goofy or whatever. It was like the the old classic. Just go to the front. You might not win, but you'll still carry yourself to a pretty good result. The guy still finished fourth. Like, not not too shabby. Yeah, not not too mission accomplished. Yeah, you know. I mean, Nino didn't to, get a front row. So hey, there you go. Yeah, I mean, I mean, the story of this is uh, as Elizabeth, as you, you you mentioned in the the the, uh, the media pit text chat, is is really Flukager, and you know he's just been non-existent. I, I think like with uh, at Petropolis, 
Uh, he, I, I couldn't find on his Instagram, but I swear he said that he basically got there too late and like he he flew in. Uh, boy, were his arms and legs tired, um, but I'm bumped, <laughs> and it didn't really work out. But you know, it was like, all right, well, that's that's forgivable. But then you know, he was really bad at Albstadt. Uh, Nova Mesto, he he got up to to sixth. He did win Swiss Nationals, but like Nino didn't race, so. To me, asterisk on that one. So, I mean, you look at like guys, and and I mean, I'll just be. You look at sport. Uh, he's thirty three now, I think. Like a lot of times, you know, we saw with Nino, like he lost his fastball and it came back. Um, we've seen him race really well, but sometimes you just you lose it and you're gone. So, I think of anyone who needed this race and this performance and the ability to just. He looked good and. I love having him around. He's very aggressive. Like he's always willing to mix things up. We saw this in the cross country race as well. So, uh, you know, but what you texted me, you're like, we're going to need a backness ruling. And I, I don't, I don't know if I'm prepared to answer that yet. So, <laughs> uh, do you have thoughts on that? Or are you, you want to weigh in, uh, at all, uh, Bill or Elizabeth? Well, I was just going to say, you know, we we're talking about Luana and everybody else. They're a training plan being to peak somewhere well not Loana for Beck McConnell or her training plan is to peak somewhere else I feel like Fluky's maybe on that you know in F1 terms he's on he's on the B strategy where everybody else is on the A strategy so he's he's coming in hot to this one but he's also you know this is much like Loana this is a place that he excels I mean he does really well here and he's a really good climber and yeah it's kind of funny he's you know you talk about he's 33 years old and he's still you know waiting for Nino to retire so he can take over as the best Swiss. I Matthias Flukiger is Conan O'Brien to Nino Scherter's Jay Leno. That's where we are at now. Like the guy just won't go away. That's fair. And to that point though, I mean, uh, you know, he had some good results last year. I think he was getting better results, but this was the first race where he, he doubled up last year and we saw where then he just kind of went on, really a tear and ended up winning the overall. So Bill, you may actually, it may be the, the B plan going into the rest of the season. But he had the season of his career looked like he was just going to be king of the world. And then Leno comes in at the worlds and is like, Hey, I'm still here. I'm taking it all back. Sorry. Yeah. And I, I mean, I think like for, you know, I, I think what's interesting is that this is a course that, we don't necessarily want to associate with him or associate with him necessarily as like, oh, this is a course where he'd be great. And I feel like he even kind of feels like, I guess I'm great on this course. And I think like, I, you know, I definitely as a racer often felt this way myself where I was like, I don't particularly like this course, but for some reason I'm good at it. Like it sucks because I'd rather be like, I think that I'd be really good at this course because I really like this course, but that doesn't necessarily translate into the results I want. So I think there's like, there's a bit of that that I see in Matias here. And, uh, but it is, it's clearly a, you know, a statement of some sort that he's able to double the performance, just like Luana two years in a row, doubling up on the short track and the, the Olympic distance wins. Yeah, and in the short track, you know, as we we kind of alluded to, he just he he did the same thing Loana did. He was just able to attack or even just ride away on that climb from Alvin and Alvin Amancini. And then the thing that Flukicher always has 
going for him as long as he can keep it on track is that he's a great descender and he's got great skills and he can just fly downhill. I mean, he's a little crazy at times and people like to give him a wide berth, but, um, you know, he, he goes downhill fast. So that's a, that's kind of a lethal combination for, for this track. If you can climb really well and you're also a good descender. And so, so that's like, it's just made for him. And like I said earlier, alluded to earlier, like he's the only rider who manages to actually kind of make use of the berms in that descent as terribly as they're set up for the line that they're supposed to be taking. Um, he actually pumps through. I mean, he's slamming himself into them to make use of them, but he makes it work. And at the end of the day, like one of the things to take away from this men's short track is the standings are wicked close. Like they're like six points apart, 10 points apart for the top three uh, in the overall for the short track now. So if you want to, you know, if you want some drama out of this beyond just like being excited about Matias getting a win, that's the excitement is the 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 overall for short track is completely up in the air for men. Yeah, I think the, the one last thing I wanted to note about the short track, because you were talking about the standings and just the, the results here, and we haven't even mentioned his name, Vlad Daskalou coming in second place in the short track. And Daskalou's kind of got this thing now where he is so strong, and I think we've seen this in a lot of races, he's kind of a little bit of a dangler, but then he can always make it up, that he kind of screwed over the rest of the field at one point where um, Avancini and Albin and and, uh, Fluckinger went off the front, and he let the gap go. You know, and the whole field was stuck like five seconds back. Vlad's the only guy that's really able to make up for that mistake on the climb, close the gap again, and then it's like pretty much the four of them. So it's really interesting just how he is that strong, but just sort of has these lapses every once in a while or just needs to catch his breath and then go. And we've seen that kind of race after race where we're all like, you know, Daskal is out of this, and then all of a sudden he's on the podium. Should we move to the to the cross country? Sure. One one last thing we've got a name an unfamiliar name, uh Jens Schurmans, Belgian rider making the uh Making the podium, wide angle podium here for the the men. So that's kind of fun. I guess I've been look. I looked into him a little bit. He races on the road as well. Well, and Albin is a name that we don't hear very often either. So it was. I like that. That was my one of my takeaways too. Was just the result sheets. You're like, oh, here's some rides from some some men that we don't normally hear. And I like that because, like, theoretically, that's what the short track is made for. Is like for hey, you know, it's going to be a pack racing theoretically here's your shot to like get a top five get that front row call up and we don't see it we still see the best riders kind of dominating maybe that's why uh, it goes back to just like good bike racers are good bike racers no matter what format uh they're in but yeah i love to see that 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 that, for me that's one of the cool things that i thought watching this for a few years now you would see more of of kind of like the the heat check the heat the the short track heat check like Schwartzbauer. <laughs> Noma Masto, the ultimate. Yeah, exactly. To your point, Zach, you got Scherter in 11th place. You got Hatherley, who's been up there all season long in 17th place. Uh, Kirschbaumer in 20th. So, yeah, it, it definitely this this track, you know, for the people that we are used to seeing in the front, definitely uh, gave them some issues. Should we go to the highway of broken dreams? <laughs> Did you guys, did you guys, I, I watched this a couple times. I didn't fully Zapruder it. 
who did the thing? How how did the crash happen? Who whose fault was that? It? Part I don't know. Okay, but Mona's brake entirely comes off. Oh, that's what happened, and you can see it in the replay. Like it's the brake, like the the brake off of the rotor, like not your brake lever. It's dangling in the air. It gets torn off. Um, and this is I was looking into this so because she's on the cannondale the with the lefty fork like the way that the mounting is who knows if that has anything to do with it but it's mounted a little bit funnier um but it's just off that's why you know i think in the commentary there was this like why can't she just twist the handlebars because that's not the problem like her brake is literally not attached anymore at all um i think we should 100 percent just blame cannondale because i feel like that's what that's what we do like sure. you know i just remember like when Stephen hyde cracked a, a a zip wheel at reno nationals everyone's like zip wheels are garbage and it's like he's riding that at like four psi and like happened to like anyway i think we should just blame isn't that what we do isn't that what people do i mean just sure. like you know, some breaks it's like it must be the bike's fault disc breaks you're supposed to blame disc breaks Oh, yeah, you're right. oh my breaks. gosh, you're right. I'm sorry. <laughs> bring, I'm not up. Bring back my, rim breaks um, in, in mountain biking. Boy, that would be interesting on today's courses. Whew. Whew. Um, but I think, I mean, also, I think this is for, for fans of the cyclocross part of this podcast, we do have a, a nice little sort of like echo hearkening back to the Vanderpool, Vout Van Aert, uh, wheel stuck in shoe stuck in a wheel tangling situation but I love that Mona's attitude here is just like I'm going to just put my foot on this wheel and stomp it out and separate our bikes and like oh wait my, my, my brakes off now um, but yeah I think I mean it's unclear I couldn't get to a point of clarity on what or who caused the crash you do have uh, Chiara Tioki also caught up in it. You have Anna Tauber caught up in it. Emily Batty is caught up in it. Some of them from further back. Um, but it looks like Tioki and, and, and Mittervalner are the ones who are like primarily caught up in it from the start. Um, and whose bikes are deeply entangled in one another. Yeah, it was like super, I mean, it was that dusty corner. It was super slick. I could see someone like six riders away, just slide. It seemed like someone slid out and, you know, the carnage was just like skating its way on this, uh, really, really slick, uh, slick corner. Um, I guess the other, the other part of the start, uh, Elizabeth, my takeaway was, uh, one, I, I thought we had a moment where, Sunday poof was going to be back. Uh, and she really wasn't, she did it for like the prologue. You know, she even had a moment where Loana tried to go around her and she like shut her down. Um, and I guess I want you to talk about, you know, you did a lot of mountain biking and you know, one, she did was just like the, the epitome of, of dropping anchor. Uh, and two, those uphill rollers sucked. Uh, like what are your th- what are your thoughts on kind of the, the the first like lap and a half of 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 this race because it was kind of weird. It was a little weird. Um, I I mean I I think like I I I love the uh, unpredictability of Yolanda Neff in some instances and the sort of devil may care attitude that she often brings to things. Usually we see her bringing this attitude to descending rather than climbing. Um, 
And, you know, and I don't know if it was her own sort of personal heat check situation. She clearly blows herself absolutely the hell up and then recovers and finishes in eighth. So, like, she doesn't blow herself up to the point of, like, completely destroyed, but definitely goes way too deep. And I think, like, this is the kind of thing on a course like this. And this is a course as a racer I would hate I would absolutely hate. And I have done a few courses that are sort of similar to this. And the descents are just not worth the climbs. Um, and I think there is uh, something in that where you get going, you start climbing, you're like, all right, I want to get to that descent first because that's going to be where I'm fine. That's going to be where I excel. So I really want to get there. I'm going to go really hard up this cloud. Oh, God, what did I do? And that was the feeling that I had watching Yolanda do this. I was like, oh, oh, that, yeah, 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 that's that's what happened there. Like, I, okay. Um, because you, it was just an instant, just like sunk like a star. It was like, wild. Oh. She just yeah, stopped. Yeah, it was really wild. <laughs> Um, Uh, so Bill, my question for you, have you ever, have you, have you guys ever seen a 128 trajectory? I mean, what a wild, like what a wild trajectory to her race. I mean, she was coming, you know, cause I, you saw like the, the splits and it was like, oh, she's in 20th and then she's crossing the line and they're like, there's Yolanda Neff. And it's like, wait, what? Wait, she's an eighth. Like what, what just happened? I think that she, you know, she she can do well on on these climbing courses. I really think that she's just trying to figure out how it is to be good again, and I think that that was all part of it. And and this was probably maybe I mean we don't know. Maybe she'll talk about it down the line or already has. But maybe this was just like everybody else. This is a a training opportunity, testing opportunity, whatever. And she's gonna go. I mean, look, she did it in the Olympics the same type of thing. It's like, oh my gosh, she's just going, and she's gonna blow up, and then kind of recover and go again, and with the same kind of climby courses. So I think it's something that she knows that she can excel in. She would, um, uh, uh, has done it in the past on on these climbs with her high cadence. But yeah, no, just just amazing to see. Just just the implosion was. Um, impressive but maybe also she was like today i can't do this and just kind of turned it off so who knows uh, or, or maybe it's something that treks training since we we're talking about dascalus kind of doing the same thing maybe it's team tactics uh speaking of trek and the team this is just a small aside during the men's race yolanda was on the side of the course yelling at her teammates on the trek team like heckling them like you can catch a little bit of it on the whatever the course side mic, um, it's hard to hear exactly what she's saying, but she's clearly heckling uh, Anton Cooper and Vlad Dasklu, and it's really lovely. She's just in her full, like, just in her skin suit, hanging out on the side of the climb. So this, uh, I guess the, you know, the <laughs> the hell climb proved to be, which I loved, was a great name for a feature. I don't know. I love that I love that they're really embracing the feature naming and that it's it's different at every race. It's not, you know, back in the day we had like Bonk Breaker Hill at every cycle cross nationals. And it was like, all right, that's cool. I mean I get they were sponsoring it or whatever, but like I like that they come up with unique names and we've gotten to have all these I, I love that part of it. Uh, but there was also the Greenhorn climb, which I talked about a little bit earlier, that just long 
long drag. Um, so a couple things with this one, I guess, related to cameras doing the media pit thing. One, the drone shots of that were actually pretty cool to me, like to see just how crappy it was. You're like, oh, 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 that there, oh, that just, that just, that just keeps going. Uh, and Bill, we talk about this in, in cyclocross. We have the ultimate deception of the, the, the high zoom, you know, long distance camera. <laughs> like we see it in cross at like Namur, but this was like orders of magnitude on a different level. Yeah. The, the compression, the, uh, the objects in your lens are actually farther away than they, than they look. Uh, yeah. And especially you, you're right with such a long throw that they have, you know, they're, those those lenses you're looking at like sixteen hundred, two thousand, whatever, and it's just like just smashing them right next to each other until you get like that drone shot or whatever else, and you're like, oh, they're actually pretty far away from each other. Yeah, and I think that's that that contrast, right? Like that's what makes it work is the foreshortening on the straight on shot as you see the riders coming at you up the climb, contrasted with the drone shot. Without editing, this is not impressive. It's gonna. It's like it's a lot more boring. You need good production calling to say, "All right, cut from this because it looks like he's right behind him." We need to cut to the drone. Oh wow, that's a gap. Yeah, I mean, so spoiler alert: it ended up being uh, Jenny Rice Feds again, continuing to to ride well in the the good but not quite good enough spot. You know, she is the one that follows Loana who wasted zero time at the once once she got past Ilana Nav, she was like, I'm gonna attack up this hill and Risfeds to her credit stayed on her wheel uh for a lap and then you know just cracked again or you know on the on the hell climb. You could just see it. She's just like, yeah, I'm I'm good. Like we're we're good. Um uh, but there were there were points on the the long shot, you know, because she held it to about 30 seconds. I'm like, is she getting back in the game? Oh, and then they would do the cut and you're like, oh no, she's not she's not getting back in the game. <laughs> nope. <laughs> That's a long yeah. distance between them, so but it looks like she's right distance. there. <laughs> yeah, I mean, which meant that the really the the most excitement in that race wasn't it, but with uh, Stieger and if she was going to come back and actually uh, catch Rizved's in there, and, and at the end when they're going more up those the last part of it where it's more of the alpine kind of serpentine switchback climbs, you're like watching. Rizved's climb and you're like oh all of a sudden it's like oh wait there's a shadow in the background there's Laura Steger where did she come from yeah so I mean impressive ride by her uh I mean I'm sure she maybe gathered that Mona went down and was was out of the game but you know Austria turned its eyes to her and to be fair though she finished third here last year uh I believe too so you know young rider I think she's one of those that just seems really poised for a breakout ride she's showing that she can do it consistently but she also had the pressure of the home the home crowd you know cheering her on or maybe some of that she had the close battle against uh Cena Fry and you know, the specialized teammates were were together, and it seems like I don't. It seems like this was a good ride for for Cena Fry. Uh, you know, being able to to compete and really put in uh, a good effort. It seems like that's a result that really stood out to me. That she rode really strong throughout this race. Yeah, it was a great great ride for specialized. I mean, and also you know not to be forgotten in that great ride for Haley Batten for the weekend too. Actually, both in short track and cross country, has a pretty decent showing. Um, and I think, you know, in 
uh, Laura Steger talks about afterwards that it was like riding with Cena Fry was like remembering their race together at Cape Epic and like how much fun it was to ride as teammates um, and really be, you know, stoked about how like they motivated each other on throughout the course of this race. I think with, you know, Stiger obviously having a little bit of extra motivation to to close the deal and take third uh, in front of the home crowd. I think, you know, one or the other, like maybe to get a little bit tech corner in this, like Stiger has always been a hardtail um, favoring racer. A lot of people rode hardtails, um, like Kate Courtney rode her hardtail, like several other riders were riding hardtails for this course. Stiger's someone who does it like anytime that they let her. And so um, for that, you know, you're she's going to be more comfortable on that bike. That's going to serve her well. Um, also looking at a course like this, I can only imagine that everybody who favors a hardtail is also extremely stoked about the advent of dropper posts um, because a dropper post and a hardtail on this course is very different than just a hardtail on this course for the descending parts. Yeah, what did you think about the descents? I mean, it seems like they were somewhat challenging, but rather not memorable. I don't know. They were just kind of there. I mean, I liked that it was kind of cool to me that there were these, it would like wind into the Alpine part and then wind out and then wind back into the Alpine part. And you did get some, like the, after the first big climb, you got a really cool little Rudy, uh, descent, uh, you know, and then they switched back, you know, it's just very Alpine. So some cool sections, uh, but uh, nothing that really stood out at me again, again, is like, wow, that looks really, really neat or memorable. It just seems like what's memorable about this course is the climbing. I, I think the, the Rudy descent part is similar to what we were talking about with Nova Mesto and the rocks in that you look at it and you look at it from the outside you're like oh that looks really scary and that looks really technical and that looks like something that people are going to be crashing on but just the way it's set up i mean it was it was it was a trail that was cut with you know we talk about the bottom half of the course not having any flow to it that had great flow to it and i don't think anybody really had to even think about it it was just kind of point your point your bike down and and send it and they were just railing that section and even wet the roots were were not affecting anyone which was was kind of interesting so it yeah again it's like the you look at what you think is going to be the the trickiest technical sections and for a lot of riders that's the part that you know once they ride it once they don't even think about it again because they're like oh i can do this in my sleep it's some of the more innocuous parts of the of the track that are slipping them up like getting onto the flyover yeah, I was going to say on those descents, like, I think they're, I mean, they are really, really steep. Like, I think, like, looking at the course profile, some of them are like 31% great. Like, that is very steep. But it's a point and pray sort of scenario. Like, if you know the line, and as long as you don't look at the tree, you're probably going to be okay. Um, if your brain is okay with shutting off the part that says that's a terrible idea, Um and so I think like that's there's a, the other part I think that's maybe a little less gratifying is that they're so steep, which means they're over really fast. Like we don't get to see a lot of it. We don't get to see that sort of like picking apart sort of technical riding where that that puzzle solving piece of technical riding because it's just a like, well, shoot it down. Um, there are a couple places where you have alternate entry points, um, which I think if you have an alternate entry point, you have to be thinking about the alternate exit. So 
you know, every kind of technical feature in a course, every kind of descent, like the choices you're making to go into something are with thinking about what kind of exit speed you can bring out of it. Um, there's one in particular where there is an inside line that is steeper and over a little root bundle. It's at the rider's right um, or the inside line versus a wider turn around line. So you see like Jenny Rizved's is usually taking that steeper line. Flicky takes the steeper line. Um, and it's not until the last lap that Flicky is ahead and Nino follows him on that steeper line. Nino had been doing the ride around before then. And that's more of a calculation in that. It's not like it's faster to do one or the other per se, but the exit speed is different, uh, depending like, or the exit angle is different depending on which line you take there. So, but not the same level as some of the other courses where we see some sort of like significant differences or significant technical riding um, that makes a real difference. I mean, I guess we're talking more about the course uh, than the race, uh, but since we're continuing on that theme, that last flyover, uh, the I, oh. uh, so I've never, and you guys have been doing this longer. Um, I've never seen a flyover that has a hump on the flyover, and I mean, we almost lost Laura Steger. Like we almost lost her to in, in like lap three because she just came in with too much speed and actually went flying off. Like, and that almost she, like doubled it, it, but it's not something you should, should double. No, it almost <laughs> seemed kind of dangerous. I mean, those are the kind of features yes. that if you're riding a course or a, a trail and you come across that, you don't know what to expect. Like they're, they're dangerous. Cause that's not supposed to happen. It's not supposed to have a little lip on it or a second tier. Um, but you know, fortunately, you know, Fortunately, she had enough travel in the front that she was able to save that. But yikes, that was scary. Yeah, and that that was another thing in my notes. Is like this is this a garbage feature? This yeah. is Ooh, well, I using think, my word. I like it. <laughs> I think the the whole. I, I think that they have gone and they've definitely built other stuff into this park since the last time we saw it. And I think they've gone just a little a little overboard in the in the bike park features and it doesn't it's not it's doing them a disservice at this point for selling that as a place to want to go and 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 ride your bike in a park and as i think that nova mesto i don't know i i i don't know i just seeing these races now i don't know if i'm a fan of pump tracks incorporated into cross country it, it, it just it's just like this weird it's almost um it's almost a a a, a pinwheel um, effect where it's just like this sort of, yeah. And just sort of this wasted time, you know, it's like, okay, we're all just going to pump through this section and get through it. Nothing is gained, nothing is lost. And then we'll go on to the rest, rest of the track. So I, I see why they have them in there because again, they want to sell the features of this place. And part of it is selling the park, but at the same time, I'm just like, "Ah, I don't know. We could do without it. Yeah. I think, I mean, maybe it's my bias, toward loving Novamesto, but I feel like the Novamesto pump track is the is an acceptable use yes. of a tr- pump track because they're like doubling they they actually have a double and some of the riders can double it. But this one was yeah. not great. <laughs> Anything else to say on this uh women's race since we've now done every inch of the actual track but not really the racing, which I think is telling. Bill, don't we have a segue that we need to do? Well, I was going to say, if we are done with the women's, we can move to the men's race. But before we do that, we uh, should talk about the wide-angle podium donor drive that is going on 
right now. If you are unfamiliar with this, it's because we haven't done it for a couple of years. This was something that we were doing uh, pre-pandemic uh, to support the Wide Angle Podium Network, which is listener-supported. You know, we really depend on all of you who are listening to become members of the network and to contribute. And that's the way that we can continue to do these shows. We can continue to pay for the server costs. We can continue to uh, bring in guests, travel, do things that we need to do to make this show successful. And for this year, if you join now in the next couple of weeks, you, you'll get a wide angle podium beanie, which I am, I am a big fan of the toques, of the beanies, of the knit caps, and having a wide-angle podium, I, I'm, I may have to join a second time just, just so that I can take advantage of this beanie. But basically the way it works, go to wideanglepodium.com slash donate, and then you're able to choose an amount. You can do a one-time donation. We'd love for you to do a monthly donation. If you do that, you get the beanie and then you also the cool thing is that we have a lot of shows on the network and you get to choose which shows you want to support and you don't have to just you can support all of them or if you love uh fake what is it fake racing real bike no fake bikes real racing nowhere fast yes Zach's other show you can you can support that show exclusively you can split it up between that show and grodio or that show and 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 cyclocross radio or uh criterium nation or the slow ride podcast you know you can pick which shows you want to support and it it's really how again as i said it's how we are able to continue to do this there's been a ton of consolidation in cycling media you know and that's look there are a lot of voices out there many of them work for the same umbrella corporation this is a place where you are getting independent voices really nobody tells us what to do we can do whatever the heck we want Uh, we have no uh stockholders no board of directors basically we have you and that's it and that's who we are accountable to so i think that by doing that, you are supporting independent cycling media, which is a huge thing. It's sort of sad that you have to come to us for that because we are just little fish in a very big pond. But the fact of the matter is we're the only ones out there really that are, are giving you these different views and these different voices. So we would love for your support. Wideanglepodium.com. Donate. I talked for a really long time on that. Zach, anything to add here that I have left out? No, I think the the idea of the the independent journalism, I, I think to me is huge. Like, you know, we do this, we're doing this after work. Uh, we have other stuff going on, and you know, we lament layoffs and stuff, and kind of what's going on with the consolidation. And you know, fortunately, we're we're a little bit immune to that because we do do this on our spare time, and you know, we put in the work on the bill. You've been quite professional this year in your covering of of bike racing. So I think supporting independent journalism. I myself still am a subscriber uh, to the Slow Ride podcast. So, and I'm sure you guys are as well. So uh, we'd really appreciate uh, your support, and it definitely helps. Uh, allow us to do this. Okay. Let's talk about this men's race. Elizabeth, what do you got? What's the first Holy impressions? Flick. No. Holy flick. <laughs> Holy flick. I <laughs> love it. Love it. Holy flick. Uh, wow. 
He came to play in this race. He did not have a good start, but boy, did he come to play. I I don't know. I, I don't know. I feel like this is at a level of blistering, searing attacks that we have not seen the likes of maybe since... Vanderpool doing a couple of this kind of ferocity and uh man so impressive uh I think like there's you know this the really sort of major decisive move that he makes on the greenhorn climb where he does like classic i mean true like road racing attack like lets a little like eases up a little bit lets the gap open up a little bit swings wide and just goes like the acceleration is so fierce nino is on the front nino is able to react uh which is also like to his credit super impressive it is not easy to react like that when you are on the front and um wow Wow, wow, wow. I was so impressed with Matthias Flickage's ride on. All right, Zach. We're we're gonna put Matthias just to the side for a second here. Here's here's my question for you. Is it are we at a point where we can question Nino Scherter's tactics or his tactical mind as a bike racer? For years, the guy has been able to just attack from the front, just put in these little micro attacks, break everybody, and ride away. It seems like he thinks he can still do that. Is it time? Does Nino have to try something different? I mean, are you talking about like earlier? I feel like in one of the first couple laps, he was kind of, he went to the front and he was like, I'm going to boss this. Flukager. Uh, it seems like he was he was riding Nino's wheel a lot of that time, and Nino kept trying to put in these efforts and drop them, and just wasn't able to. In where in the past, I think he was he used to just count on that. I think what you know to that point. I think it was interesting when we saw that um, the last couple years when he was just not good, and he would still try to do that, and it would be like, yeah, those are the sad the the Avancini and Vanderpool when they would just work him over, or he would try it, and they were like. Yeah, we get it, and now you need to just be third. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so I think part of the the return of Nino, though, is he is having more luck doing that. Like, I think he is able to to break riders. You know, fortunately, except when like Pidcock is there, the kids, those pesky, uh, those pesky kids. Um, but I guess to to kind of piggyback off that, um, I think one thing that was interesting to me is we, you know, I look at Nino, and he's a great descender, and he just. I mean, Matias just owned him, and he looked uncomfortable, the ent- especially on the descent. It just seemed like Matias had things dialed. You know, Nino just looked uncomfortable, and you know, would these gaps would open, and he, he did spend a lot of time chasing. Is that Matias wouldn't do nothing like he did in lap three with the that you know hellacious attack that he did? But I mean, he had to. Sp- do a lot of work to, to, to close gaps. Um, but to bring it full circle, Bill, I think you're right. Like he might need to, to brush up when you lose your fastball, you've got to develop that, you know, that, that curveball, that knuckleball, you might have to start going to the, um, the foreign substances to help elongate your career. I thought you were going to go with the um, EFIS. He needs to go to the EFIS. <laughs> 
Okay. But yes, I, I think that Nino, uh, if you can't do it that way anymore, he's still pretty good. Like he can still do that to a top three finish pretty consistently. Um, but he's going to have to find out, you know, better ways, uh, to win races. And I guess, so I talked about it at the beginning about, you know, do you get revenge or whatever, but do you think, you know, Flukiger needed this win. Do you think in that last lap, you know, cause they were talking about on the broadcast, Oh, this is going to come to a sprint. Do you think he was thinking about Val de Soleil and he was just kind of like, mm, I need to find a way to make sure that that d- had to be in his head, right? Like he got owned at Val de Soleil. Yeah, I think it absolutely had to be in his head. And also there's just not room for a sprint in this course. Like it's it's too short for a true sprint. And like I, the the race is won, I think, long before that. Uh and so would, would you say would you say at the at the at the top at the highest point of the course, that's that's where you're your yeah. quote sprint begins. I think so. I think that's uh, like I think that's, that's where it the, is. It's the race to the top. Somebody messes up. Yeah. That's the race to the top. Um and though I and, and so I, I realize there's an inherent contradiction in what I'm saying is that I think like, oh, well, there it's too short for a sprint, but like he doesn't want to let it come down to a sprint at the same time because Nino is Nino and who knows what wild thing he might pull out of himself in a sprint on a really short sprint that nobody thinks could come down to like, oh, second wheel could out sprint. Well, Nino could do a Valdesole move that nobody else thinks is safe or legit uh, and still take it in that last corner or something. And it's loose gravel, like it's sketchy. I don't know. Could happen. But I, I do think, Bill, you're right that like that that high point of the course, that's really the determinant. And I think Matias knew to put enough pain into Nino even before that point to stretch it out, to really attack. And that's, I think, you know, where, you know, that obviously the first decisive attack is super impressive, but he keeps hitting it and he, you know, hits it again at the, the top of the greenhorn climb on that final lap uh, and opens up a little gap. Nino comes kind of back. The minute it looks like Nino, or the second it looks like Nino is starting to close back again, Matias attacks again. So he's making sure to like let me let me stretch the elastic. Like I'm gonna make this rubber band snap. I think he did that when he got his gap a little bit too in the short track race. Is that ability to to get a little bit of a gap, and then everyone's like, it'd be really cool if you stopped riding hard right now. And he had that extra gear, I think, in both races um, to put in that attack because you're you're right. Like Nino was there. Like if he let up, it wasn't going to be decisive, but it kind of was like a few bike links, and then it quickly became because there's still a lot more climb. I think that's one thing that I had to remind myself is like you're just on that greenhorn climb for so long that they're actually have to wind their way up to the top of the mountain, uh, in, in the woods. And I think he did a very masterful job of, I guess that was the moment that I was, you know, kind of alluding to of just being like, I am not letting him that close. This is not happening. I'm going to put in the extra work right now to do that. And, you know, I think he knew once he got to the descent too, like he was just descending super well. That's what he did is, you know, as long as he doesn't, do his thing that he did that one time. Uh, he was, he was good to go and a uh, very masterful race. I just thought that he was very in control with the exception of that weird number one call up to 17th place after the prologue, kind of a waste of your effort in the short track, but it's good to have him back. I love watching Fluka race. I think he's my favorite person to watch 
race mountain bikes. He's just so unpredictable. Like you said, that that attack, he was just like, his entire body was just swaying every which way. And it was like, where did this come from? What are you doing? Like, I, I love how he races. I think he makes the men's field infinitely more interesting. And I hope that he is truly back. Uh, Nino finishes up in second. Alan Hatherley bouncing back from the short track uh, in in third place. Any other results worth worth noting in this men's race? I mean, I think Hatherley's ride is worth noting. Uh, the dangle, a new a new dangle. Oh my yeah. god! Like that dangle was that was like <sighs> one of the most impressive dangles that I've ever seen. Yeah. Like I'm gonna just keep this at literally eight seconds. Oh, it's so painful. It's so, like the like. Is there a more painful gap than eight seconds? Like, I don't know. Five seconds. You're like that. Looks that that feels very doable. Ten seconds, probably not. Eight seconds, painfully believable the whole time. Yeah, he's he's a rider. I think a young rider who's really starting to. It seems like put things together uh, much more consistently, and he's shown that he can he can be in the mix. And you know, he he dropped. Vlad, who's been riding super duper well this season, and he was able to to get away from him and be in that third spot in no man land. But it was just like he was so close. I mean, you didn't even need you didn't even need the compression to see how close he was. You're like he's right there, uh, and he just he couldn't do it. Um, but that he also created some interest in the last lap because he also just exploded at the start of of the last lap. And Daskalu had cut it to like four seconds at the first tech feed zone. And you're like, all right, well Vlad's going to get on the podium, and he he pulled enough, and he found something up the the greenhorn climb in the last bit of the last lap because it it was like how is he going to do this he's like he lost like 14 seconds on the first climb or something like that who who breaks through first with a win we already saw Daskalu come oh so close but who breaks through first with a victory Hatherley or Daskalu oh this is a good one I think it's going to be Vlad I think it'll be Hatherley just because we think it's going to be Vlad. It's like, <laughs> like Vlad clearly deserves it more, I would say, at this point. I mean, he's been consistently in the top three, four. Uh, but I just feel like Hatherley is going to be be the guy who does it. Uh, or he'll be on the verge and then like Pitcock's going to come back and then just win all the things. Another, another good race for... Uh... Valero, you know, sort of caught Cooper there at the end, uh, but still nice uh, race for Anton Cooper as well. What else? What else we got to say about um, about this this race weekend? I think, I think, I think this is one of those where I think the meaning of this will be determined by what happens on the next block. So, like, if if Matthias is truly back. If, you know, Loana Lecomte starts winning all the things, we'll say, oh, like that things occurred. Like, you know, that was a huge motivation thing. They're carrying this in. You know, if Becca McConnell has a really, really bad race, we'll be like, wow, like maybe she played it wrong or whatever and, you know, wasn't on form. I don't think that's going to happen. So I think this is one of those we'll look back and we'll the the narrative of this race will be set by what happens next. Like if Luca Dre has another terrible race, we'll just be like, oh, that was cute. That was a nice one off. So that's kind of kind of my takeaway uh, from this weekend. I think that's a that's a really solid assessment. And I know you think like, you know, Nino is obviously targeting Lenzerheide the next race, his hometown race to be his record-breaking win. I think that's 
that's the goal. That's the big story there um, for him coming up next. Loana dropped also that she's not planning on, she's planning on skipping some World Cups um, in order to focus on European and World Champs. So uh, I think that's a, another sort of subplot in the Loana story. Like definitely she was asked if she's targeting the overall and she said uh, definitely not and that she might skip a few races. So um, I think for any French riders uh, with worlds being in their home country, there's an additional factor worth considering there. And who knows if Loana's racing this last weekend at Leogang is actually her, you know, A minus race for Euros and Worlds being her targets. Who knows? But yeah, I mean, it's 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 an interesting set. It's like a totally like it's a bunch of different names in the top twenty. So you mentioned Nino. Uh, you know, I think that we're seeing where you've got the the pesky kids. I think are are in his way. Might have the pesky Matthias. So, like, is he going to do it? Is he going to get? Is he going to? It's thirty four, right? Is he going to get the thirty fourth win and and set the record? Are the stars going to align? The right riders not show up. I think on that Lenzerheide course, he has a very good chance of doing it. Um, that's It's a course that he has won on many times, and man, do they love him there. Um, that's a, it has, you know, the whole finishing area is one of these, like, massive arenas where the crowd looks like a Formula One crowd in its depth and Swissness. Um, <laughs> and... Uh, I think he has the form to do it for sure. Um, snowshoe. He's going to win it. He's going to do it in snowshoe. Everybody else is going to be just like, we are over. We're in West Virginia. We're done with the season. We're mailing this one in. And Nino's just going to crush it. Are they going to, are they going to late? Are they going to do like, uh, who was the, who was the quarterback who fell down from Michael Strahan to set the, the sacks record? <laughs> No, they're definitely not doing that for Nino. Okay, okay. I forget who the quarterback yeah. was who just like took a dive and Strahan didn't even like touch him and uh, got the record. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah, no one's going to gift this one to him. He's thrown too many elbows. <laughs> I think we should end it there. Uh, um, Elizabeth did have the the, the, the great um, notice, the uh, tweet from Tom Pidcock about how uh, before... Great Britain had a struggle just to get that one spot for him to be in the Olympics, and now they are leading the team competition. So, you know, what a couple good races makes to turn it all around. Success is so fleeting, isn't it? We started from the bottom, and now we're here. All right. Well, um, we'll be back next time to talk about something. I'm not sure what, but we'll do it again then. And uh, hang in there, kid. Folks, back before we started talking about privateers and lifetime adventures and aero bars, swift racing was there as the meme discipline we all love to mock. And while the meme machine has moved on to gravel racing, swift racing is still here. Nowhere fast is the virtual racing podcast you didn't know you needed. It's a real podcast about real racing on fake bikes. 
Join host Kevin Bouchard-Hall, Mike Swart, and me, Zach Schuster, for interviews, takes from inside the Zeloton, virtual racing coverage, and of course, cheating. Download Nowhere Fast at the Wide Angle Podium website, or listen on your preferred podcast app. You can come for the KBH stories, and stay for the semi-serious discussion of real fake racing. And like, ride on, or whatever.